Today's reading comes from Ephesians um, 5, verses 18 to 21, which is page 949 in the Blue Bibles. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I love superhero stories. I just love them. When I was a kid, I used to wait the whole week for the next issue of The Amazing Spider-Man. Back in those days, you could go to the kiosk and buy it. Isn't that amazing? Today, we probably don't do that. We have YouTube. Um, So you don't need to go to the kiosk. But I remember the first time uh, I went to a movie theater to watch a movie. It was Superman. The old Superman. It was really, really cool. You know, this guy, he was born in this um, foreign planet. He grew up on Earth. And he developed his powers thanks to the sun. The exposure to the sun gave him uh, supernatural, superhuman abilities, such as uh, super strength. He could fly. He had this steel-like skin and bullets couldn't penetrate them. But he had a weakness. And whenever he was exposed to this mineral from his planet, he would become weaker, weak and weaker than a human, than a regular human. Some claim that Christians should be able to do supernatural things. Things like maybe walking on water or turning water into wine or stones into bread. But as Christians, is that what we are supposed to do when we are filled by the Spirit? And that's a question I want us to consider this evening. Being filled by the Spirit, does that mean that we become like super-Christians? Are super-Christians a myth? Or is that a reality? We're going to find the answer in Ephesians 5, verses 18 to 21. We just heard those verses. And we're going to look at four points this evening. The first, the first one is, what does being filled by the Spirit look like? Secondly, what are the things that prevent us from being filled by the Spirit? Thirdly, how do we get filled by the Spirit? And lastly, an application. So we rephrase those four points from a superhero lens. It will be, what are our, what are our superpowers? What is our kryptonite? How do we get access to our superpowers and then an application? Okay, let's start. So, what does being filled by the Spirit look like? In the passage that has been read to us, there are four verbal ideas that describe these superpowers. It is right there. We don't need to imagine what it is. And we're going to look at them in detail now. The first one, it's found in verse 19. So if you go and read with me, it says, Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. 
Now, for every idea, I want you to ask two questions. We're going to ask two questions. The first one is to whom, and the second one is how. It's easy. To whom and how. So we have the first verbal idea here, speaking to one another. Well, I'll just give away the first one. To whom? To one another. How? It says with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But what does that mean? Does it mean that life is like a musical? We should all be singing to each other. Well, I have to say that I'm not very fond of musicals. I pretty much yeah, don't like them at all. So it's awkward. Is that what Paul is saying? Well, what is a psalm? A psalm is basically someone expressing what's in their hearts, what's the pain and the struggle they're going through, or what's the joy, or what's the sadness. But also at the same time, they're reflecting on who God is, about his faithfulness, about what he has done, his kingship. So Paul is saying that if you are filled by the Spirit, we should be talking to one another with psalms. Rather than maybe having conversations that are dominated by things that might be superficial, things are okay, but if they drive our conversations, sports, work, house renovations, he said, instead, if you're filled by the Spirit, you will be talking to each other about your struggles. You will pour in your heart to each other, and you will be sharing God, what God is doing in your life. Second verbal idea. Verse 19 as well. It says, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. Well, singing is all over the place, right? Singing and making music. To whom? To the Lord. How? From the heart. Now, If it is from the heart, you cannot fake it. You cannot force it. So it's not up to you, really. So Paul is saying that if you're filled by the Spirit, this attitude, this praise, this singing, is going to be produced, is going to be flowing from your heart. The Spirit is going to produce this singing, this praise. Because God is the only one worthy to be praised. And rather than praising things from this world, position, achievement, our lives should be a song of praise to God. Our third verbal idea, it's found in verse 20, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To whom? Again, to God the Father. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. Watch what Paul does here. He's saying, if you're filled by the Spirit, you'll be giving thanks to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. Who said the Trinity was not in the Bible? There's a Trinitarian formula here. And basically we can say, that's what we do when we pray. So Paul is saying, pray, giving thanks, always. Always and for everything. And we can ask, for everything? 
Well, that's what it says. For everything. I'm making sure that it's what it says. So, whenever we're facing something that is hard, we should also give thanks. Whenever we are heartbroken for something that's happened to us, when we've lost someone we love, also, should be thankful. Well, we're not talking about a thankfulness that is natural to us. Paul is saying, if we're filled by the Spirit, we're going to be giving thanks to God always, in everything, no matter what, because God is God, and we are not. Last verbal idea, it's found in verse 21. Submit or submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. To whom? To one another. Who's that? Well, spouse, parents, boss, church, church leaders, governors. How hard is that? How hard is to submit to someone that is imperfect? We're all, all imperfect, by the way, if you haven't realized yet. Um, how hard is that? It's not by chance that Paul has left this one to the last in the list. He's going to dedicate the rest of chapter 5 and part of chapter 6 to develop what it looks like to submit to one another. And that could be probably another series. But today we're not going to focus on all of that. Submitting to one another, how do you do that? It says here, out of reverence for Christ. So when you submit to someone, to your bad temper boss, to your grumpy parent, grumpy spouse, whatever that is, you do it for Christ. You don't do it for them. You do it because you're looking at Christ and He fills you. Now, if we try to be filled, if we try to meet the deep need of significance that we have in others, it's going to be a disaster. But if we are trusting that God is the one filling that need, then it doesn't matter. Whatever happens to us, whatever other people might or might not do to us, because we are trusting in God that He will fill all of our needs. So four verbal ideas. Paul is saying that if we are filled by the Spirit, we will have true fellowship with one another. We will be singing from the heart to God. We will be thanking God all the time, regardless. And we will be submitting to one another. Those are the superpowers that are available to us. And you might think, well, but that's not like walking on water. Yeah, ain't no steel skin there. What's going on? Well, think about this. When you're able to be gentle, loving, and caring for those around you, even in the midst of extreme stress, even when you get home after a hard day and you're tired and you just don't want to do anything, you just want to be left alone, when you just don't feel like it, 
but you still give away love to those around you, your siblings, your family, your neighbors. That's pretty supernatural to me because that's not what we tend to do. That's not what humans tend to do. So what does prevent us from being filled by the Spirit? What is our kryptonite? If you have believed in Jesus, the Bible says, you have been freed from sin. Sin should not reign over your mortal bodies, Paul will say in Romans. Because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, dwells in us. We're not talking about that. We're not saying we need to receive the Holy Spirit again. If you have believed in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, God himself, living in you. But yet, what can we, why can't we be filled by the Spirit? Why can't we access those superpowers? Paul states that clearly here. It says, do not get drunk with wine. Is therefore wine bad? No. I mean, clearly says, do not get drunk. Getting drunk is the bad thing. Not the wine. So is therefore Paul advocating that alcoholism is a problem? Is what is happening here? I don't think so. We're going to see four reasons, really quickly, why Paul is not only speaking about alcoholism. And and you'll see why this is quite relevant for us today. The first one is that there's nothing in the context that will tell us that. There's no alcohol involved anywhere here. The second one is that if we follow his argument, he's saying, well, if you are getting drunk with wine, you're not be able, you won't be able to be filled by the Spirit. Okay, so we, if we uh, reverse that, then anyone that is not getting drunk, right? Anyone that is maybe just drinking but not getting drunk should be filled by the Spirit then. Is that what happens? No, it's not. that's not what happens, right? Wine abstinence does not necessarily lead to being filled by the Spirit. Or in other words, you don't need to be drunk to have superficial conversations. You don't need to be drunk to be selfish. You don't need to be drunk to praise yourself above everything else. We do that naturally. We don't need the wine. Third reason. It's in the text. Paul says... Do not get drunk with wine because it leads to debauchery. There you go. Everyone knows what that is. That's what you do when you go to the store. You ask the lady, what is the debauchery of day today? It's like debauchery. Some of your uh, versions might have dissipation there. The Greek word behind that, it happens only four times in the New Testament. None of them related directly with alcohol. Okay. One of these times, one of those four, it's a very well-known passage. It's the story of the prodigal son. You know about it. You know that story. This son who was prodigal, who wasted everything his father gave him. And that's exactly the word, the voucher. 
wasting things away, wasting your life. Again, there's no alcohol involved. There's this wasted, wastedness, wasting. Now, it's interesting, isn't it interesting that today, many people, when, when they're talking about referring to getting drunk or getting under the effects of drugs, they will say, I'm going to get wasted. Let's get wasted. It's a boutry. It's the same word. Everyone's speaking Greek without knowing it. When you are under the effects of drugs or alcohol, you're wasting your life away in many, many, many senses. And Paul is reflecting on that here. And the last reason why this is not just alcoholism is because Paul is using it as a metaphor. We are like cups being filled. You can be filled by the Spirit, or you can be filled with wine. That's what Paul is saying. We are like vessels that need to be filled. For all those four reasons, I hope I have convinced you that this is not just about alcoholism. And why is that relevant for us today? Well, because maybe before you could have said to me, like many people, when read, they read this passage, well, I'm not an alcoholic, so I'm okay. I don't need to do any of this. But if this is more than alcohol, that means that all of us here might be getting drunk without knowing it. And that's what uh, we need to be warned about this evening. What is then this wine he's talking about? What is getting drunk here meaning? Anything that you pursue in your life other than God that is providing you with similar effects that alcohol does. I'll say that again. Everything or anything that is that you are pursuing in your life other than God, that what is doing in you is producing the effects of what alcohol would do if you would get drunk. Now, what, what are those things? What is alcohol doing? Well, euphoria, being happy for no reason, overly happy, being satisfied, avoiding things, avoidance, strategies, right? You're avoiding pain, you're avoiding reality, you're escaping from it. Let me give you an example, maybe that make, will make it clearer. If I watch TV tonight, if I watch a movie tonight and I enjoy it, I have some popcorn, uh, maybe a beer, just one, not getting drunk, and, um, and then I go to bed, that's all right. But if I do that every single night of the week, if it becomes a habit that I really need to have because when I do it, I really disconnect, I just chill out and you know, escape from problems, I'm just enjoying myself, and, and it becomes so entrenched in my life that I'm just waiting for that moment to come. I'm just doing things when I get home quickly, putting kids in bed, doing uh, chores, and yeah, finally I crash into the couch. This is my time. And if I don't get that, I just get mad. 
I just want half. I want to see my show. I want to see my movie. That could be getting drunk. What is that you are getting drunk with in your life? Maybe it's social media. I think many of us are getting drunk with social media. Whatever it is, Paul is saying it's a waste. It is a waste. You're wasting your time and you're wasting your life. And sometimes we know it. Sometimes we realize that's what's happening. And yet, we keep doing it. Don't do it. We've seen how what being filled by the Spirit looks like. We've seen those superpowers. We've seen, second point, where, what is our kryptonite? What is preventing us from being filled by the Spirit? And we're going to see now, how do we get filled by the Spirit? How do we access our superpowers? Well, it is right there. It says, be filled by the Spirit. Be filled. That's a command, right? That's an, an imperative. Any teachers in the room? Any English teachers? It is an imperative, right? Now, hold on a second. It says, be filled. That's passive. It's a passive imperative. Okay, how does that work? So I'm supposed to do something that I'm not the person doing the action. I'm the receiver of the action, but I'm supposed to do it. How does that work? Well, here's an example. What do you do when you want to get tan? You have to go and lay under the sun, right? Who is doing the tanning? The sun. You're not doing the tanning. Who is receiving the tanning? You are. Well, that's exactly the same thing. If you remember Superman, he had very cool superpowers. But the sun was the one providing them to him. Sun exposure was giving him those superpowers. It's the same thing. Well, does that really solve the question? Answer the question? Because now we can say, well, and then how do I get exposed to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit? We're not going to find the answer to that question in our text. But Paul, Paul really knows about grace. He was thinking, well, these poor readers, they're going to ask this question and they're not going to find it here. So I better write another letter to the Colossians so they can see it. And that's where we're going to go now. In Colossians 3, if you follow with me, Colossians 3, verses 16 to 18. This is a parallel passage. And you say, well, how do you know that? Bear with me. If we read in Colossians, this is what we find. Verse 16, second part, it says, teaching and admonishing one another. How? With psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Here we go again. The musical. Second, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Third, giving thanks through Jesus to God the Father. And fourth, 
wives submitting to the husbands. The same four verbal ideas that we were just looking a few minutes ago that are our powers, are the result of being filled by the Spirit. Now, if these four ideas are the result of being filled by the Spirit, that has to be true in Ephesians and has to be true in Colossians. So what is the cause here in Colossians? What is Paul saying is the cause? Let's read verse 16 at the beginning. It says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Okay? So let's put the two together. In order to be filled by the Spirit, we need the word of Christ to dwell in us. So, when we are exposed to the word, really, we are exposed to the Spirit. That's what Paul is saying. Because the two of them produce the same results. We see that in Ephesians. We see that in Colossians. In order to be filled by the Spirit, we need to be exposed to the Word. There are no magic formulas for this. It's the Bible. We have the Bible for a reason. And God works in us through it. What a blessing that we have this book. So we have seen how, what being filled by the Spirit looks like. We have seen what is preventing us from being filled by the Spirit, what is our kryptonite as Christians. And now we've seen how do we get filled by the Spirit. I just want to finish with an application. We were asking the question at the beginning, super-Christians, myth or reality? After reading Ephesians, I am convinced that it's a myth. It has to be. Because it says, be filled by the Spirit. And we could say, well, that was just for the Ephesians. Really? Or maybe, well, maybe that's just for pastors, you know, or people that are in ministry. Those are really, they really need to be filled by the Spirit. But, you know, I'm a lay person. I just go to church, you know, every day and every Sunday. I should be all right. Maybe just for those really that, really excited, those for in the first row, it's full. Um, it says, be filled by the Spirit. It's for everyone. All of us. It's a command. There's no distinction. There's no super Christians. There's no regular Christians. This is for all of us. Now, don't panic if you think, I've never been filled by the Spirit. Because I think you've... You have been. If you have believed in Jesus, you already have the Holy Spirit within you. And I'm convinced that he has filled you at times. Sometimes we don't even realize. He's working through you and in you. But also, I am convinced that you have gotten drunk at times. It is a process that doesn't happen overnight. But the more we are exposed, the more we abide, we dwell in His Word. His Spirit works in us, works in this heart, and changes our heart. 
in a way that we don't need to fake it until we make it. It flows from our heart in a natural way. It will change your relationship with God first, with God first and foremost, and then your relationship with others. That is the promise that we have. And that is, that is a supernatural thing. It is a supernatural thing. Don't get caught with the lights of whatever you think Christianity is. Christianity shapes your life in a way that nothing else will do and will change your relationship with God first and your relationship with others. Jesus prayed for his disciples to be one like he and the Father are one so others would see and understand this reality, this truth. It is our relationships that need to be transformed and that's a power that is available to us. So how can you start this week? What can you do in order to be filled by the Spirit? Just starting tomorrow. Tomorrow, Monday? What should you do? What should we do? Well, here's a very creative application. Read your Bible every day. Read your Bible every day, maybe 15 minutes. It doesn't take longer than that. Now, when you do, clear off your mind. Find a quiet place and dive into it for 15 minutes. Now, before you do that, just close your eyes and pray. Pray to God. Ask Him that He will fill you with His Spirit. Because no matter how well you read your Bible, no matter how good tools, how much Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic or there are more languages out there, but it doesn't matter if you know all of them. You cannot change yourself. You can't. It is God. So you have to ask Him. We have to come humbly to the Word and say, I can't. I can barely read what this is saying. Ask him to change you, to fill you with his spirit. And he'll change not only your relationship with him, but your relationship with others. Let's pray. Father, you know our hearts. You know how imperfect we are. You know all of our affections how we easily fall into things that get us drunk. We ask you that this evening you will fill more and more our hearts, you will fill our lives more and more, so that this heart will be changed fully, that it will affect all of our relationships, that we would be reflecting you in everything we do, that you capture our affections so that we desire you more and more every day. We thank you for your word, your holy word, because in it we find life. So we pray that in this week you take every, every, anything that is in the way of us getting to know you and getting to know your truth and that you become close and near to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.